0: Welcome to the International Teacher Podcast with your host, Greg, the single guy, and Matt, the family guy. We're recording episodes from around the globe to tell you about the best-kept secret in education. That's right, it's teaching overseas. We're glad to have you.
1: By the way, I'm Kent. I'm the Oh, are we starting? Are we starting host. now? I don't know if we're starting. <laughs> They're still wondering who we are. Do they know who you are yet?
0: Welcome to our show. This is Greg, the uh, single guy. Once again, Matt is out golfing. So we have our friend, Mr. Kent Armour, is here sitting in.
1: Kent, the cat guy, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for asking me to join.
0: I love it. I love What are we going to talk about today, Kent?
1: Today, we're going to talk about what makes for a good international teacher. What do employers look for from our point of view, uh, from a teaching point of view? What are uh, some skills and dispositions that... Uh, Fit in nicely on in the international teaching circuit.
0: You sound really official, like when you talk like that. You know, it's, it's almost like this is an official show, and you're one of the, a team of recruiters or something. Because I, I know pretty well that you are not a recruiter. You are a teacher. That and is so correct. Am I. I am
1: a teacher, and I'm the one who usually sweeps the floor after the uh, job fairs, not the ones doing the hiring.
0: <laughs> it's a job fair. The recruiters ready to go home, and you're like.
1: Just a second. Can I talk to you for a
0: second? I haven't talked to anybody yet. (laughs) Right now, as we record this, we're in October, and it's October is recruiting season, starting for international teaching. That's right. The job fairs coming up this year are looking for 22-23, and you and I can go over a couple things from a teacher point of view, is what we think they're looking for in general for for teachers overseas, right? That's right. But what kind of teachers are international schools looking for in general? And you and I have been down the block a couple times, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. For instance, Kent, you know that this year, Search Associates, you know that ISS, I know that ISS and Search, two of the biggest ones here in the state, are already recruiting with iFares. That is true. And we need to to share a little bit in October now, what we know that they're looking for in teachers, because the real, the face-to-face job fairs, if they're going to happen, they usually start happening in December and then January and February, all throughout up until the stragglers around August or so right before school starts. That's right. What kind of teacher you think they're looking for, Ken?
1: That's a great question, Greg. I think in my experience, They've always been looking for people who get along with people. I think that's one of the biggest skills is do they fit into our school? Is this school a good fit for them? Are they a good fit for our school? Because at international schools, you tend to be around each other a lot more than in a domestic school, and you tend to interact a lot. And I think being able to get along in a group is... An extremely important skill. What do you think?
0: Go ahead and ask me now. Go ahead and ask me.
1: What do you think is an important skill? What do I think
0: is an important skill or an important aspect of an international teacher? What do you
1: think is an important aspect to being an international teacher?
0: Oh, funny you should ask me that, Kent. The first thing that comes to mind is certification. You are first and foremost a teacher. You are a certified teacher. And not in every case, believe me, there are little schools around the, the world that are looking for somebody that's willing to take a, a quick lesson in, over the summer and get a certification, like a, an emergency or something like that. Emergency cert, they have their bachelor degree. But these big schools are the best of the best schools that, that are really out there, are looking for, first and foremost, it's not a vacation, it's not just to go off uh, away from the states. I'm thinking that number one part of a fit is that they are qualified.
1: They now, might- correct me if I'm wrong. I don't mean to interrupt. You're you, wrong. But uh, <laughs> pretty much the price of getting in the door at these big fairs is to meet the minimum requirements for that fair. And I think that most fairs have a requirement that you're a certified teacher, have some experience domestically or internationally. What's been your experience? I mean, you can't just expect to roll into a town and walk into a fair like it's a Comic-Con. I think there's a lot of work done beforehand and behind the scenes. Do I have that correct?
0: Can you imagine matching up a Comic-Con with a teacher's international teacher recruitment seminar? That's I
1: think I want to teach at. I want to go there, too.
0: You and I need to open up our new recruiting seminar. We're going to have an international recruiting teachers weekend, and it's going to be together with Comic-Con or something like that. You mean we're not
1: doing cosplay right now? Because look at us.
0: Oh, did I go way off on your question? I'm so sorry. (laughs) You are right, actually, Ken. You were mentioning that, that. Yes, the the job fairs have basic things that you have to have requirements for, and that is you're usually you have a teacher certificate, you have a bachelor's degree minimum. You have a possibility of even a master's degree. You might have experience. They don't usually say you have to have two years experience. That's usually coming from the schools and not all schools. There are schools there that I'm case in point. I got hired without any experience straight out of school. But those job fairs will ask you to have specific things ahead of time that sort of weeds through that the schools know that they're after quality people and they don't have to do that step. So the job fairs do that for the schools that are recruiting at the job fair.
1: The one exception I can think of is if you're the certified teacher with the degrees and the experience and you're going to travel and perhaps you have a spouse that can also fit a role at the school, maybe they'll consider that spouse even if they're not completely certified or meet all the minimum requirements. I have seen that.
0: That's why you're here with me too, because you are also married, and like Matt, you are married, and you have that perspective, which is evens out and it balances out our show here. You're right, because a traveling spouse is not going to necessarily have the credentials of a teacher, right? And that's not that's usually many times the case, although. The best of situation, of course, is when both are certified teachers. Two
1: certified teachers. Uh, we
0: don't need to talk about that now, but what they're looking for is they're looking for the person that's the breadwinner, at least, that's going to the job fair, that's, the, that's negotiating for, for a job. That person needs to be certified. That's right. Okay? Great point. I like that.
1: You know, maybe you have, maybe you think I'm crazy, but I think a lot of times international employers want to know— are you excited about teaching? Are you positive about teaching? Do you like the age of the students that they want you to teach for? I I think that they really want someone who's excited to be part of their school and excited to be a teacher.
0: I agree. I don't think they're going to ask you to say that. They're going to want you to say that because everyone's going to walk in the door and say, I love kids. I love teaching. Here's my passion. But they're looking for that. For sure they are, because the people that we teach with, most of the teachers I've run across with overseas, they are, first and foremost, they really are dedicated to our career, to teaching as a passion.
1: I think that's one thing that when they're interviewing you, when you're interviewing for international teaching, I think there's so much that goes into it that's not part of the questions and the answers. I think your disposition, the way you sound, your energy level, your excitement level, your positivity, I think all those things uh, are noticed and noted. So if you are sitting down with the school, of course, you're going to be, many teachers are so nervous about answering the questions that are asked uh, correctly and to the best of their ability, but sometimes it's not exactly what you say. Sometimes it's how you say it.
0: True. That's how they're going to read us when we go into, we meaning teachers, as we go into an interview, they're looking at everything. And you're right, but they are looking for the passion that goes along with loving your job, with your teaching. It's not just a travel position. It's not, you're going overseas to teach and be a part of their education program. So they need somebody that loves to do their job.
1: They're going to talk to several people who have certificates, they're going to talk to several people who have some experience in the field, and when it comes to choosing between those candidates, I think they're going to want someone who, at the end of the day, they think is going to be a very nice fit into, you know, many international schools, and I can't certainly speak for all of them, they like to see themselves as as a close-knit community, and sometimes like a, almost an extended family, and they want to know how, they, how people fit in.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know what I noticed here, um, just talking with you for a little bit, you keep mentioning the fit, the right fit. Can you talk a little bit more about what your feelings are by this this word, this common language that you and I have? What does it mean by they're looking for the right fit?
1: Well, I think fit is an interesting word because it doesn't mean that you're just... A great teacher. It doesn't mean you're just someone who knows your content area. It doesn't mean that you just have the degrees or the certification or even the resume. I think the fit means that they can look at you and see you as part of their school. They can visualize you standing in front of their staff, standing in front of their students, living in the community that their uh, the school is located in, and have a really good feeling about that. To me, that's that's what fit means it's 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 one of those things it's not just something that's uh well I won't repeat it again but it's not just your resume it's not just the way you answer the questions but it's it's their ability to see you uh, at their school and maybe for for years
0: okay I'll add on to what that do you a little see bit as fit? for me it's a very dynamic word but I think that what we don't realize going in before our first job fair or before the first school internationally, this is not just a job. It is a step out of your normal situation. It's a huge risk on your part because you've never seen the school. you maybe you've never even seen the country. Maybe you can't even spell the country, Mm -hmm. the name of it. And you're stepping into a, into a school that you may have researched, you may talk to people about it, but you don't know anything about the country that that school's in, in many cases. I'm not talking every case, mm-hmm. but the right fit means to me is that that recruiter, especially if it's a superintendent or a principal from that school, is looking at you and saying, can this, this woman or this man fly in and, and be put into our housing situation And not leave within two years, right? (laughs) Not take a bolt because they're uncomfortable. Is this a person that's going to fit into the country, that fits into our school, and is going to get along with the rest of our staff, as well as somebody that I need for that position, So the person, it's a huge puzzle that these recruiters have. They have a a school of a population of certain teachers that they need to have strengths and weaknesses, right? They might not have a certain organizational person on their team they're looking for. They might have a specific position that needs to be filled. They have several positions to fill. Maybe you're looking at somebody has a spouse that they are thinking of putting in that position but then they run across a, a better person for better candidate for that same position. There's this huge risk that they're taking by offering you a position or thinking about you in their position. So that fit to me, mm-hmm. if I was to put that on the cover of a book, it'd be like this big puzzle puzzle pieces that are stacked up, right? Without any edges, And we've got to find where that piece goes. It might even have two sides to the puzzle. It's one of those mixed-up crazy puzzles, a 3D puzzle, even 4D, that they're trying to fill. It's not easy at all. So when you walk into a recruiting situation with an international school, the risk is on your end because you haven't seen the country, you don't know anything about what's going—you're jumping into country, culture, language— all of that wrapped into one as well as a school and to stay there for a commitment of two years to follow through with that. Are you the right
1: person for that? You know, I'm so glad you brought up a uh, life outside of a school there's life within a school when you go to as an international teacher there's the life outside the school and i'm so glad that you brought that up you know i think if the recruiter looks at me and sees me as the type of person who would be impatient waiting in line for a driver's license in the united states they are going to look at me and think this guy's never going to survive the bureaucracy of my country you know of whatever it takes to get a visa, whatever it takes to get a driver's license in the new country, whatever it takes to get the internet or a power bill or a phone or a cell phone, they've got to know that you can wade your way through that bureaucracy with a touch of humor and a touch of patience.
0: And a huge touch, not just a touch of patience. I really think what they're looking for in international teachers is they're looking for somebody that can adapt to the situation right? They may not be a patient person, but maybe they can be, and maybe they're willing to become that kind of person. But I tell you what, you have to have a lot of patience. That'd that'd be high on my list. I'd be like, uh, yes, Mr. Smith, you'd like to come work for us. Um, Are you patient? (laughs) Because you won't have power for four weeks (laughs) or any toilet paper for 13 13, uh, sessions of school. Uh, How do you feel about that? (laughs) I'm just joking about that. Uh,
1: No, it's not too much of a joke. Uh, I think that uh, a huge level of patience is needed, and they need to look at you and think that you're the type of person who can take it in stride. That you can laugh at yourself, that you have a, a decent sense of humor, and uh, that you can adapt. I, I think you were right, to adapt to a new situation. I really like that word. You know, I think we have to have a certain faith in ourselves that we can do that as well. That we are not just going down the road to another school in our school district in the United States. That we're going to a whole new school system and a whole new country. And that in some ways, if we haven't done it a lot, we've got to have faith in ourselves that we can that we're going to enjoy that, and that we're going to survive that.
0: Well, you know what? I totally agree with everything that we just said, including what I said. I totally agree with (laughs) that. I totally
1: agree. You loved what you said. I do. I love what I just said. I love
0: what you said, too. I like your recap. I think that another very important piece, if we go off in a different direction Mm -hmm. now, right? We want some of this adapted, all that stuff. But listen up. I know... I'm talking school now, I'm talking about administrative, I'm talking about you go into a school as an educator and it's to make it a better situation. They want someone to come into their school and not just sit back and take a ride and like it's a vacation, Mm. right? They want somebody they can count on that's a good quality teacher that's gonna come in and be a part of their teaching team and say, I disagree, I agree and hear the reasons for it and make it a better situation. They need teachers that are strong in their conviction that they're, they are a good teacher and that they can help make positive change.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and prove agreement. it.
0: How do they do it in other schools? Uh. Prove, prove it how they've already done that in the situation
1: right? Well, I'll give you an example of what I think backs up what you say. And I think that part of it is the difference of an international school to a domestic school in the United States is that sometimes the school is the focus of the students' lives. It's not just the place they go during the during the academic time. But often schools offer activities before school, during lunch, after school, sometimes on the weekends. And it was a real important selling point for for me. I don't want to jump right into the interview process, but that you can that you have enough range in your ability that you can cover lots of different things other than just your teaching assignment. Because so oftentimes that flexibility to say, yeah, I could take on that club. I could take on the yearbook. I could take on this drama. I could take on this, that willingness to try it, even if it's outside your comfort zone. I think it would be very challenging for administration to have a teacher that says, you know what, I just do this. I just work these hours and I just do third grade. I just do fourth grade. I just do middle school math when there are so many, I would say, uh, jobs that need to be filled at the international school that aren't just during the hours of instruction.
0: Like, give me an example of something you've done outside of teaching. Yes. You have a homeroom teacher. What's a, something that you have put in extra time for whether or not you get paid because mm-hmm. sometimes I've, I haven't been paid for everything that I've done or paid mm-hmm. so little that I couldn't even tell you how much I was being paid. Cause it was so little, right? Like what's my paycheck. I can't make a check that low. Right. But what's an example of something that you've done outside of teaching to give back to your class?
1: Well, one of my jobs, we had after-school clubs where we did games. We had after-school clubs where we did extra reading. Maybe the students, maybe you have an office hour after school that's not part of your contracted time once or twice a week where students come in to get help. I think there's many different ways that this could look. But I've done uh, table tennis clubs after school i've done air hockey things where whatever the school has that they can open up facility for these uh, students because oftentimes you know it's not always like in the united states where kids will just rush off and play little league or go to scouts or do something after school sometimes the school is the biggest activity in their lives and so that school opens up and so i've done lots of things i think um Currently, I do math olympiads. That isn't a stipend with that, but we do math olympiads. We do, I do a manga, and anime work with the students before and after school, uh, sometimes language clubs, lots of different things. And whatever skills, you know, the more skills and apt, uh, the more skills that a teacher and, and enthusiasm the teacher can bring, the more places that they can be fit in around uh, the needs of the school. And I think, and I know that we haven't got into this part yet, but I think the more places that they can slot you in, uh, the better you look as a candidate, if you want my opinion. You know, I was hired as a fifth grade teacher at one job, and I ended up teaching drama. I ended up teaching uh, yearbook. I ended up teaching all these courses because sometimes at a small school, you don't have the luxury of having a specialist in every area. And they're going to look to who they think can can pull it off to bring a little bit of creativity to it, bring a little enthusiasm to it, and at the end of the day, get the job done. And I think the more you can do, uh, I think the better you, you, the better chances you stand of succeeding at that school and and getting that job.
0: Kent, I think you have the record of talking the longest without taking a breath. <laughs>
1: Well, you could tell because usually I'm astounded pause, so right I could, now. I could breathe a little bit.
0: I'm in awe right now. I'm just watching you in awe, watching how long it took to answer that question. I, uh, I think that that was a fabulous answer. If I was a recruiter, could I recruit you right now? Could I hire you?
1: You can hire me. I'm, All right, I'm available. <laughs> I'd like to hire you for the rest of
0: the school year, Kent. Okay.
1: Well, what do you what do you think when you think about? Um, the demands at an international school, and and uh, how a a candidate can fit in and and and, and be a valuable person. I you talked about all of those extra things. What are some of the extra things that you've that you've contributed or have done throughout your career?
0: Well, before before I tell you a little bit about me, how about if I mention here are some outtakes that I have from recruiting from other schools having asked me during the re- during the interview process. Say, and d- any time you sign up for any kind any kind of resume builder that you're looking at or your portfolio builder as a teacher this is that liberal arts like you know write a paragraph instead of check marking things or fill out the list like check mark on kayaking or scouting and you may not think those things are important when you fill out some of these job fairs or tie online that have a an online portfolio and they have check boxes for you to think of interests, right? Everyone knows you're interested in travel, obviously, if you're going for international. But what are your outside interests besides school? How well rounded are you? And that that's a very valid point that we I never took seriously because back in the day I was like, oh, this is that fluff part, right? Mm-hmm. They're gonna hire somebody that they want somebody that has an experience with cub scouting or tennis and I love this to promote some kind of discussion is the way I looked at it but after living overseas and working for smaller international schools even the bigger international schools they are looking for people that have experience for those things to actually share it with their student body and with their community because those big schools those small schools the international schools tend to be a focal point for their communities because international schools around the globe have always wanted to be a part of their community, if not the best school in their community. And giving back to their community, it's all built into their standards and their their, their image, right, in the international school field. It's part of that global village. They want to be, all those catchphrases, they want to be a center of attention and support for their community community. So, anything that I can do to give back, Mm -hmm. right? So, if it's a math Olympiad that I have experience teaching, then I would, you know, I could give that back to the school like you have, but I don't have that. So, there's this myriad of things that I'd be interested in, but if I wanted to say, what have I done in the past? Well, In Cambodia, I was a soccer coach, and I wasn't just because I've played soccer, but I've actually coached before, and I have experience coaching elementary kids. We didn't go anywhere with any championships, and I wouldn't say that I don't know how much they really learned, but I was a coach, right? Was I a good coach? Who knows? But I have experience doing that, and I have experience to show my commitment in the past. Let's see what else. I don't know. I've taught scuba diving with Ron back down in Venezuela. I've done in Honduras. I've done after school programs for parents with technology. My field, right? I've done lots of like parent university things at former schools where I'm training kids or parents how to do basic skills on um, with computers on their own time in the evening, or tutoring. I've done tutoring with different things like German and and. Which is crazy, you know. I've done, what's it called? I've done a couple of after-school things like, uh, oh, Odyssey of the Mind, which was back in the day, maybe back in 2000. It was a an after-school event, which was all about kids problem-solving. But then I've done chess club, or I've done uh, anything. It's not just lunch. It might be lunch activities. It might be after school. It might be in the evening. It might be weekends. A uh, Lego League. Right. I've done a lot of Lego leaks before. I've done robotics offered at strange times. It all boils down to, are you willing to put in extra time, not always for a stipend that's worth talking about, but are you willing to get back into that community of that school? So that was a long, I pulled a Kent on that one. That was a nice, (laughs) long answer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would hire you.
0: Well, if you're just joining us, what we've been talking about is what makes up. Let me rephrase it. Where have you been? (laughs) If you're just joining us, we are,
1: and we're back from commercial break.
0: Listen, we are talking about what are recruiters looking for in international teachers. So, if you're a teacher and you want to go overseas and you want to go interview, or you have online interview. What are they looking for? And so far, we've got commitment. They're looking for committed teachers, certified teachers, well-rounded teachers, and teachers are willing to take a risk. I'm not just going to go, Kent, by the way, I'm not just going to go into a job fair, into any interview with a school overseas and say, I love to travel, right? I'm not going to say, I love kids. Mm -hmm. How many times do you Mm -hmm. think a principal has heard something like that? Like we talked about before, Mm -hmm. it has to resonate through you in your answers anyway, no matter what your conversation is. You're not going to sit there and go, I love to travel. I love to see kids because they're going to be like, why don't you go travel to Disney World and then travel back home? Because that's that's traveling and that's liking kids, right? What are they looking for? What are some more things that they're looking for they're going to be talking to and looking for?
1: Well, I will say the the one of the challenges of hiring someone, I, I imagine, of someone who's in it for the travel, is when the school year starts. And I have felt this many times, is that there's always a honeymoon period where you go to some place new and you feel like you're at some place new. But I think once the work starts and you're up at four thirty in the morning, it. It just feels like work. And so uh, it doesn't matter. You could be in the most exotic location in the world and uh, you're up at 4.30 to go to work. It feels like work and not travel, which is why people even in exotic places go on vacation someplace else.
0: <laughs> you just made your own joke. and You're laughing at it. I got lost.
1: In, insert humor here.
0: <laughs> I got lost on this joke. Ju- okay, so that was your joke. But what, what do you mean 4.30? You okay. don't wake up at 4.30. I
1: wake up at 4.00. I wake up. I'm, up, I'm up early, I'm a morning person You know, the, the audience Are you an anchor
0: for CNN or something That I don't know about?
1: <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm up before the CNN anchors You know, I don't think You have a radio about... show or something at 4.30 in the morning? Oh my gosh, the morning what commute What do you do? The morning, and oh. today there's extra traffic on I-5 You know, uh, I will say that the love of travel You know, you brought this up And, you know, I don't think it's a, a terrible thing To have a love for travel you, <laughs>
0: you <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, I didn't say there's a bad thing to yeah, have no, love, travel. I'm Charles. just going to
1: say this, that you could, oh, did I just blow you away? I'm sorry. Uh, I will say that, um, like, your love of scuba diving and your love of travel, you know, that's another thing that international teachers often do. Oftentimes they lead field trips that are not just to the local zoo or to the, <laughs> did I just blow you away? But a lot of times they'll... They'll take, they'll take a group of students to a whole other country and they'll lead expeditions and field trips. And I imagine if you haven't done this already that sometime in your career, you can lead a group of students into a scuba diving expedition or excursion. So many different things that you haven't even thought about that uh, you know experienced international schools might uh, see things in you that you haven't even seen in yourself yet.
0: Right. Well, like, you mean, Maybe be an ex. Maybe be in charge of a like a middle school group going into the middle of the jungle for a That's week. That's
1: right. Well, going out maybe on a, going on into boat.
0: the doing a dive boat. Maybe going on a weekend with some new divers That's to right. an island, a remote island somewhere in Honduras, maybe.
1: Yeah, I'd or have. maybe
0: going skiing in the Alps with uh, middle schoolers for like two weeks.
1: That sounds great. Right, absolutely. You know, I think that we often get in our heads that we have to be an expert at something. Like you have to be some sort of international soccer coach before you can coach uh, kids in soccer international school. But I think a willingness to try, and I think what you talked about, risk-taking, that's a big part of it. You're willing to put yourself out there. And uh, you really did do all those activities?
0: Well, yeah, I have so far, yeah. And, you know, when... When they hired me for Egypt, they didn't hire me because I had an Egyptian history background. But when I took the kids as a chaperone for the week of travel, we had some kids that stayed back in Cairo. And we went with an Egyptologist, not me, but I was the I was the chaperone teacher. And the middle schoolers went with, and I went with an Egyptologist through all of the different kinds of pyramids in Egypt and learned every day about the pyramids, going into them. Around them, I mean, it was fascinating. That was something that I never thought would happen. But I like to think back that when I was hired for that job, they didn't just hire a, a sixth-grade teacher for language and math. I think they hired a dynamic person that was willing to take risks and sign up to do something he'd never done before, That's right? right?
1: Someone who can get along with the Egyptologist, someone who can get along with the Dive Master. She
0: was beautiful, so I could get along with her, and the Dive Master was also gorgeous. Do you,
1: think you can pass those numbers along to me when we're done with this podcast.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, your point your point is true. That the point that you have is that they're looking for dynamic people. Yes. And the willingness to travel, the good travelers are the ones that take risks already, but not stupid risks. Mm. We're also in charge of kids a lot. So we do go on That's trips with students, That's right. but we're professional teachers in the first place. We're not just going on a we're not yeah. just going state to state. We're not taking our kids to a state championship. Right. We're taking our kids over borders many times and with passports, passports right?
1: Passports and laws and all sorts of things. Yeah, I think professionalism is a very important part of that. Absolutely.
0: Well, you sign on the dotted line. When they hire you, they hire you with full faith that you're going to be the person that they can entrust with anything. That's the investment they're making in you as a person, as a teacher, as a professional. And that's going to go straight through everything you do, Mm. right? So that's one reason why when you're in these interviews, when you're getting ready, that they're looking for a person that they can expand on they want they want someone that's going to come in and how do I explain that I guess that they uh, that the recruiters are looking for solid teachers first and foremost somebody who's willing to adapt and take on something like hey we've got a knitting club this afternoon and we don't have anybody to cover for it so we need you to step in I'm not joking you. I joke. I definitely, I've been there before. They're like, Greg, we need you to do the swimming team this week. And I'm like, well, what do I teach? At sw-
1: how do I teach swimming?
0: How do I do that? I don't know how you think I'd do that. Yeah, no way. Well,
1: I think that the little rings around your arms might get in the way of the instruction.
0: Oh, that's right. I did have those, those ring- <laughs> the floaty wings. Is there anything that's not a joke with you, buddy? No, I'm just kidding.
1: Well, you know, I'll tell you, I, I wonder if we've helped our listeners. I wonder if we've. Helped, I think we've confused uh, think, uh, them a little Bruce, bit. Certainly your mother listens to this. My mother doesn't yet listen. I'll get her yet. Uh, so that's two people.
0: Tell me a story, Kent, about something that you volunteered for or something that you signed up to offer oh, based yeah. on one of your talents. Tell us a story about one of these incidents.
1: Uh, well, I signed up to go on a, uh, an excursion, a, a th- four, five, six day excursion. Uh, in my, you know, uh, one of my previous episodes, I talked about Yemen, so I could talk about that. And my job uh, for that excursion, in addition to supervising kids and being part of the, the two or three adults that uh, accompanied the 14 to 16 students that we took, my job was to drive the luggage van behind the school bus. The school bus drivers are are Yemeni and they they know how to navigate the, the mountains and the dirt roads and the gravel roads. And here I am driving this huge flatbed of a truck and we're going on these single lane roads up a mountain where you have to navigate oncoming traffic. And one part of it is this gravelly, rocky part. My truck starts slipping backwards towards the uh, cliff, and uh, I'm just hoping I can get put it in gear quick enough before the tires go over the edge.
0: Stop for a second. Stop. Stop. Let me re- let me rephrase this, or actually, let me back up and have you rephrase this. <laughs> yes. If you're going up a rocky terrain, single-lane road behind some Yemeni drivers that are used to it. Yes. Now you're driving the luggage van. Yes. Behind them. Why would you start going backwards? You're slipping because you had to wait for them to go around a corner or something. Why was your? Why were you even stopped?
1: Uh, well, I did. There a goat I in to, the road or something? I had to swerve to the right to kind of allow some passing traffic, and uh, you got to try to put. I you got to try to put it in gear going up the hill, and of course you roll backwards a little bit. And here I am hoping uh, that uh, I get it in gear. It's a race. The gear versus the cliff.
0: <laughs> so you had? Did you have a trailer too, or is it just a truck with tra- a with all the luggage? Truck. and it's a flatbed that has all the luggage for the, the students. Luggage, the
1: students just throw it in the back. It's got a little bit of uh, risen sides to it, and my job is just to follow the bus.
0: And this thing's going steadily, like slowly creeping <laughs> off the edge of the cliff.
1: Listen, I have trouble navigating Seattle traffic, let alone traffic in the mountains in and out of Suna. So Yenid. what
0: happened? What happened? With it. did you get it into gear and and I, survive of I course I did
1: survive the luggage survived it turned out great but here I am signing up to teach fifth graders now I'm on a, a mountain dirt road with a flatbed truck and I don't think that that's an un and I wish I could say that was an unusual experience for the international teacher but I don't actually believe it is
0: <laughs> I have to agree with you on that one I there's I've never I've always been in situations where I've been surprised. I tell you that much. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things you have to agree is that you can't know what to expect at any time overseas. There are so many, let's call them opportunities. Opportunities.
1: And I think if you're out there listening to this podcast, well, first of all, email us. We'd love to know someone's listening to this podcast. Email us sometime. But I hope we're helping you, and I hope you get the sense that uh, you're signing up for something that's, Bigger than you in some ways that will stretch you, that you'll grow and you'll enjoy. I mean, you hopefully you enjoy, but uh, hopefully you get the idea that you're signing up for much more than a math teacher or writing teacher.
0: So I volunteered once. (laughs) I was asked to be Santa Claus underwater, (laughs) underwater underwater. I was, I was in Venezuela, and I was active with this diving group, and Nancy Gagne was in charge of the dive group that's connected with our school Is and our students. Is she
1: the number you're going to give me later?
0: No, I think she's okay in Canada without you. Anyway, <laughs> she says, Greg, uh, first of all, we're going to carve pumpkins. So we went underwater, and we carved pumpkins with students. With sharp knives underwater and at nighttime, and decorated pumpkins underwater, etc. And after we got done with that, she said, "Greg, I really need someone to dress up this year for Santa Claus." And I said, "What do you mean?" And Nancy, she, I'm a, an avid diver. She says, "Greg, well, how about if if I explain it this way? There, you're going to swim into this cave, and the cave shoots up, a, probably about forty feet." inside of the mountainside and it opens up this light has a, like the sky comes down. So what I would like to do is I would like before the students come into the base of the cave, right where the swim through is, I want you to drop down through the light in a Santa Claus outfit, like you're coming from the sky and dropping down on them, then hand out some presents and have the kids sit on your lap for a, for a picture Like, they're going to see Santa Claus underwater. And I said, well, okay. That was step, the wrong number one. I should not have (laughs) agreed to do this, okay? I should have just stuck with the the whole, like, I'll carve pumpkins, you know? I'll be, no way. Which part of this
1: scenario made you say, oh, yeah, this sounds great. Was it the cave part? (laughs) No,
0: I'll dive anywhere. I'll dive, I mean, I'll dive anywhere that's warm. This is Venezuela. I love diving. The night dive is my favorite, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't know if it was gonna be night or day, but anyway, she, (laughs) the day of the dive, the day of Christmas dive, she takes me out in the boat and I go out to the dive site and all the kids are in a different boat following us, uh, behind like 15, 20 minutes behind us. Okay. We get out out to the dive site. She points to it. She says, okay, Greg, you're going to go straight ahead to that cave. The the entrance is right down there, right in front of the bow of the boat. Proceed to put on my dive gear. And all of a sudden there's this Santa Claus outfits being wrapped around my wetsuit. And it's got like <laughs> Velcro down the front. And I'm like, ho, 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 what the hell is going on here? I've never worn anything like this underwater.
1: <laughs> it's the angriest Santa I've ever and, heard.
0: And the, and the Santa Claus hat kept falling off my head. She says, okay, so what's going to happen is I need you. We're going to follow with the students, but you're going to be alone. Just make sure, you know, she gave me some, some ideas of how to stay protected up above on the top. Breathe the air inside of the cave at the top of surface and protect myself in case the waves are crashing. and Right, so that the level of the water inside the cave goes up and down. Watch my head and all these other things. She said, as soon as you see the lights of the students at the base of the cave, coming into the sandy area, I want you to drop down the height of that and come down to depth and surprise all the kids with Santa Claus. And I said, okay. Well, to make a long story short, it was cold. It was December, right? And I don't wear a wet suit usually, but I was pretty cold because I was sitting there for 30 minutes, waiting 40 minutes, <laughs> At the top of the cave at like, you know, the depth is zero. I'm at sea level with the cave sort of going around me at the top. There's no sunlight in there. Just a little beam of light coming out of the ceiling. And I'm waiting and waiting. And I dip my head down once in a while and look underneath to see if I can see the lights. And it's 40 minutes. 40 minutes. And
1: I'm like where the hell are the students? Right, where where are they? Uh, they changed their plan. They had a pizza party down the street. They probably <laughs> they
0: probably did. I'm shivering. Oh. I don't shiver when I dive. I'm I'm not usually cold at all. I'm an Eskimo. I don't ice dive or anything. But I'm not a diver that usually gets cold.
1: Yeah, this nice lady. I was shivering, man. I'm like,
0: <laughs> I went the students. <laughs> I had to cold, cold, and all of a sudden, I'm like, see these lights. So I dropped down, and I can't imagine what it looks like underneath. There's a big fat guy with his little, like this little Santa Claus outfit, twirling out in the water, right? It's the holiday I,
1: manatee. I, I
0: <laughs> sea cow. So. I dropped down from like, I dropped down to whatever it was, 40, 50, 60 feet. I don't know what it was where the kids are with their flashlights looking around the cave. And not one of them gave a shit. Not one of them cared. They're, I'm sitting in the middle of the cave in the sand going, ta-da, like Santa Claus. Hey! And all the kids are like, whoa, look at the cave. You know. And they're, they're going up and down in there. They're shining the lights. They're looking for fish. And I'm like, dude, I'm right here. I'm right here at Santa Claus. It's me dressed up like this Santa Claus outfit in the middle of the ocean in a cave. And here I am. And none of the kids are even looking at me. And I'm motioning to, to Nancy. I'm, I'm shrugging my shoulders with my arms out like, what? What? Hello? What am I doing here? And she, she starts bubbling laughs, you know. And they, after about 20 minutes, kids are like, oh, wait. Hey, what's that guy dressed up for? You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's right. The what's Santa Claus. Man? The Santa Claus thing. I think they mentioned something like this. We go outside. And the end of the story is we go out there. I'm still cold. I go out and swim around a little bit, sit down with one knee, and the kid comes over, and I hand him some kind of fake scroll, like a Christmas list type thing with a little Christmas tree ornament on it. And then they swim off, and then we all went up in the boat. And don't ever volunteer to be Santa Claus. So In fact, here's the end of the story. (laughs) Yes. I'm taking the suit off, dude, and all the Santa Claus crap off in the boat after all the pictures, after being cold. And Nancy says, as far as I remember, Nancy says, Greg, I can't wait till Easter.
1: She's already got and the ears. I picked said she's already got the ears. And
0: I'm like, no way, Nancy. It's not in the cards. It will not happen.
1: I could see you at that interview saying, you know, I can do Lucy Calkins workshop. I can teach math. And like, yeah, 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 yeah. We don't need that. How do you feel about diving as Santa? <laughs> right.
0: Are there any schools out there in the Caribbean that need a Santa Claus underwater? Right. Resume builder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Now let's move on a little bit here, Ken.
1: What else do you think recruiters are looking for?
0: I think that they're looking for teachers that are going to want to stay for a while, Mm. right? It's hard to really commit to that. It's hard to portray that in in an interview, but I think they can get a good read on whether or not people are interested or not in the school environment that they have and the, the, the country that they have.
1: Well, tell the, uh, our listeners why a school might be interested in you staying beyond one or two or even three years. Why might that be important to a school?
0: Schools will invest in the best teachers because they want to feed their students to universities either in Australia or the United States or the Western Europe. And in order to do that, they need to build up a staff which is able to teach to that level, Right. So they're going to be wanting teachers that stick with them for a long time. So they're going to try to to retain teachers for a while. You know, when they leave, they take a big chunk back out of the school and they have to go and find another one to take their place. Anyway, that's why they're interested in retaining you so long, because it's going to cost them more money to hire you, to lose you within that, you know, within a couple of years. They'd rather just have you on and invest in you so that you retain and help build their school over the years.
1: How do you think as an applicant, let's say this year I'm hitting the recruiting trail, maybe I'm a new-ish international teacher, how do I show my employer that I might be someone who would be interested in staying at their school for the long haul? Uh, Short of saying, I want to go to work for your school for a long time, how do you communicate that to a school?
0: I don't know that's a really tough one. You're talking to a guy that's usually spends 2 years at a school for a contract. Usually for most schools 2 years is the contract and they're looking for someone to fulfill that contract and stay longer hopefully by I don't know, I think that they're reading us as a fit. It goes back to not what I say, mm-hmm. it goes back to what the recruiter is looking at and sort of fitting into their puzzle at a you know they're doing some kind of a cost you know, analysis of who the best fit is, right? I don't know the answer to that question, but knowing that they're looking at me as an investment makes me a little bit more willing to look into the school and research it before I go into the interview and say, I want to work for you.
1: That's what I was thinking. I was thinking maybe show a little bit of interest in the school. Maybe if you want the school to show interest in you, maybe you're an applicant, maybe you're pretty new to this. In addition to the school showing interest in you, maybe there's a way that you can show interest in the school and the country I think recruiters in. are
0: definitely looking for people that are interested in their school and their community and their co- country. I think that's a huge win if they find somebody that is willing to, right? Because if you're not interested if you aren't upfront and interested, it's it's a dance right? If I go and ask a beautiful woman to dance and she's like, well, okay, I'm not going to feel really comfortable about the investment of time that I spend dancing with her. I might have to work hard at winning her over, right? In that analogy.
1: Listen, when you're us, take the dance, no matter what. You know, even (laughs) if she says, no, I don't have time, but I'll do it anyway. I lost a bet with my friends we're going to dance. I'll take it. That's the (laughs) only
0: reason she danced with me. She made a bet with her friends, right?
1: You know, uh, I do remember, to back up your point, I do remember that uh, they had two things to say about me when I applied to my school in in Yemen. They said, well, he seems like a nice guy, he's certified, and he wants to go to Yemen. And that was a huge selling point (laughs)
0: Right. Well, sometimes there's schools that people that they're hard to get people recruited for. And it's because they're out of the They're Maybe they're up against a lot of other schools in that region. Mm -hmm. They may not be the top name school in that country.
1: Or they might be in a region that has a bad reputation in some cases. Might
0: have a bad reputation. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone portrays the Middle East as a bad place to be. Everyone says that there's always war going on in Africa, even Mm -hmm. though Africa is 52 countries. Right. I mean, people are always talking about how dangerous it is to be in Chicago, I mean, seriously, you're going to have lots of people saying lots of things about all over the world. And no matter where I go, my family seems to think I'm going to be in danger. (laughs) Unless Mm -hmm. I was in Switzerland. Then my mom and dad were like, oh, Switzerland, he's going to be fine. Right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you, have we helped our listeners? And there are people out there going, you know what? I listened to this podcast and I feel like I've I feel like I've learned something, Val. I
0: don't know if I can even listen to this podcast. <laughs> I,
1: I think they, do, you, do, you, do you think there's people out there going, oh, it's not Matt this week, it's Kent?
0: <laughs> I think they're wondering, what is going on with this podcast? It's going downhill. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, but it is recruiting going, season, yep. though. What they say? By episode seven, they're like, it used to be so good.
0: <laughs> well, I think... <laughs> I think knowing what recruiters, what we think recruiters are after, our knowledge is based on experience over the years, being at the schools, not being a recruiter, but listening to what they're talking about, right, around recruiting time. Right. But more than anything, it's the people that I'm with. It's I know that the people that I teach with are family-oriented. Mm-hmm. I know that they are great teachers for the most part. Yes, I I feel like I have to have my A game on quite a bit, right? I know I do. I think there's a lot of competition for great schools overseas. There's a lot of competition academically. You know, so-and-so has a major master's degree, so-and-so has a doctoral degree, so-and-so is just a, no, this person has so much experience.
1: Be prepared not to be the best teacher. I mean, be prepared if you're at your school now and you think, you know what, I'm the best teacher at this school, if that's possible to measure. I've never thought that. Be prepared to not be the best teacher at your international school because there are so many good ones out there.
0: I agree. I think that there's a lot of quality teachers that go overseas.
1: But every, every one of us brings something Bring something to the table. You and me, not much, but most teachers, absolutely.
0: They're the kind of dedicated people. They're willing to put more than just a school day in. Mostly, you're going to have teachers that are signed it. They're running every program. There's always a teacher involved in this. There are so many different celebrations overseas. If you're in Asia, you're talking about Chinese New Year. You're talking about the American holidays. You're talking about local holidays. You might be talking about very specific regional holidays. And they may involve partying. They may involve a lot of... Travel, they might involve a lot of student activities. There's international week is my favorite. I mean, every teacher has to work on some kind of international week program to add to the school affair, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's These are constant. the things that we don't always think about, but you are married to your job when you're overseas.
1: Uh, I, if, if I hear you correctly, I hear you saying that it, don't expect it to be in at 8 and out at 4 every single day. Oh. If you're one of those teachers who present yourself as someone who's just in in the morning and out in the afternoon, they might, need, they might look...
0: This is not office space, that's for sure. Yeah. You're not going in at an office hour of 9 o'clock and leaving at 5 every day. It's not a 9 to 5. This is marriage to your job in many ways, and it's not just educationally. It's not just the academics is what we're getting at more than anything. It's a fact that it's a a lifestyle, and your school is connected to so many parts of life in the community outside of just being school. Right It might be the chess club, it might be the dance hall. It might be where all the karate happens. It might be where all of the education for adults is happening in the evenings. They might have a university attached to it that they're using your classrooms or something.
1: maybe who as knows a teacher of fourth grade, you're working with their parents you're right in the evenings, and I'll tell you what it's the perfect job for me because i'm I'm decent, I'm good. I'm not the best in my team. I'm decent at teaching the math, the reading, and the writing, but I Love teaching the chess, the manga, the anime, the math olympiads. I love all those things. And I think oftentimes my boss will look at me and say, you know what? He's an okay teacher, but he has other things that he brings as well. I think you want to be seen that way.
0: Well-rounded. Well-rounded. I know another thing I forgot to mention is that when you talk about teaching overseas is that I've noticed a lot of schools I've been at, like your kindergarten teachers are going to birthday parties. Your principal is going to a wedding of somebody else in the community as two parents of our school. The school board member might be having a party, inviting some staff over to it. You never know what's going to happen. I mean... The, the local monarchy, okay? When I worked in Cambodia, I was teaching the you know some of the king's kids, right? Yep. Or you're teaching in Thailand and you have some royalty family or you're teaching in the Middle East in Dubai and you have the prince's kids or something. Mm-hmm. Or the ambassador, there are, the local ambassador, Or the ambassadors, or the ambassadors mm-hmm. yes. There's tons of things going on. Yep. And they might be connected to school. You don't even know it, but you're at a birthday party. I didn't go to my kids' birthday parties because I didn't ever want to miss one and make them feel left out. Mm. Right? That was my commitment as a teacher. I never did that. Mm -hmm. But imagine there are some teachers that spend every other weekend like doing something with a family from the school because you can't separate them all the time, depending on the school. But in my experience, you can't separate school life from the rest of your life unless you really do it purposely Mm -hmm. and say, I need to do this separate from school, which we all learn how to do overseas too, right? You want to be a part of it, show commitment, but here's my life. I have to do something else this weekend I'm going to go two countries over and not see a kid, right? That's from my school.
1: I'll tell you, my wife, uh, she's always saying, God, it's so hard to live in a fishbowl, you know, the fishbowl where you sort of live next to the people you teach with, you sort of live next to the students you teach and their families, and my wife is like, you know what, I, she, she's like, I don't know if I love the fishbowl, and me, I'm like, I love the fishbowl. I love being a fish, I love swimming around and seeing everyone, I think I could be a fish in a fishbowl.
0: You mean like when you go to the grocery store and there's two of your kids?
1: That's exactly right. Or you walk out of your house and there's two of your kids.
0: Let me tell you a quick story about the small world that we live in from our current school, right? Two years ago, I celebrated my, my 50th birthday. I went to Australia. I remember. Right?
1: Gosh, has it been two years already? Yeah.
0: I go somewhere new every New Year's. Yes. And this is the first time on that continent. It's the first time that I've been in that part of the world. And I land, I go to the hotel, and within 20 minutes, I'm downstairs having the continental breakfast. I sit down, and this little girl walks up to me and goes, <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Lemoyne. <laughs> <laughs> and I, said, I just about dropped, I just about dropped my plate, right? The fork goes flying. I've got a half a mouth of food going. Good morning, morning. and I'm like, what the hell is she doing here? (laughs) The mother walks up and says, "Good morning, Mr. Lemoyne. I'm so sorry that she interrupted your breakfast." (laughs) I'm like, "Are you are you guys from Australia? What are you doing (laughs) here? You You know, like, you know, Christmas vacation?" She's like, "Oh no, we we live in Adelaide, right? And we're from here." I'm like, "What are the chances of this?" But the coolest thing about it was looking back on it. Is it somebody within 20 minutes of being in this country, a new continent? Somebody knows me already. I'm like, oh, my God. Here's one of my students. Her mom actually gave me some great advice, which I was so I would love the fact she told me this. She said, you've got to read the, the book by Bill Bryson about Australia. She wow. goes, I have been I am from Australia. I've been in Australia my entire life. And I learned more from his book than I ever learned about my country. It's a great book, and I was—I I don't remember the name of it. I'd have put in the might notes be the or something. First
1: book review and our first book talk that we've had on this podcast. Bill Bryson, book on Australia. It's on my list.
0: Welcome to the Welcome International to the Teacher talk. Podcast. The
1: International Book Talk.
0: This is the book talk section <laughs> of the show.
1: Listen, now that you've been here for the better part of a decade, you can go to any country in the world, and now you can run into your students. And it we haven't—we
0: haven't been on the podcast that long. <laughs> I know we went over an hour, but no, I a say, decade.
1: Our listeners are going to definitely feel like it's been about a decade. <laughs> <laughs> they used to be so good. The quality's just dropped.
0: <laughs> oh, don't don't shoot us down. At least half of us is still here on quality. <laughs> Maybe I should just stop. You know, introducing you okay, as one of the may, podcast may hosts. Maybe I
1: suggest that the listeners email in and say, "Matt, we need you back." <laughs> uh, me, it's matt at aol if you need him.
0: <laughs> that's not true don't that's, do it don't send yeah. it
1: to Matt You don't know who that is
0: right well I do have to say thank you for joining our show oh, again well, it's, you know what? It's it a- is our show you are part of our show and <laughs> I do want to have a reunification of both you and Matt in the same Pit podcast with me
1: please have me back I enjoy it greatly
0: Well, we've seen a lot of teachers come and go over the years at different schools, and there is a lot to the international teaching that they're looking for. It's hard to find the right fit, but I hope we helped a little bit and entertained a whole lot.
1: If we helped you or entertained you, or if you even heard our voices, email us and let us know.
0: Well, I can't until later. I have to get off the show first.
1: <laughs> Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, okay. You're welcome. It's been great to have you on this show. I'm Greg the Single Guy.
1: I'm Cat the Cat Guy. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us on International Teacher Podcast. Did you hit record?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a good warm-up. Are you ready for the show? Yeah,